Today's episode of How They Love Mary is brought to you by Monk's Bread. It's that time of year again. The air gets a little crisper, leaves change color, and the aromas of pumpkin and cinnamon treats fill the air. It's the perfect time to try a loaf of the world-famous Monk's Bread. Their raisin cinnamon, maple cinnamon, or seasonal pumpkin spice bread are delicious treats for the whole family. Made fresh in their western New York bakery by Catholic monks, Monk's Bread comes in eight delicious varieties and ships right to your front door. And they do more than just bread. Enjoy their famous biscotti, fruitcake, jams, and more. Every sale of delicious monastery-prepared products helps to support the monks of the Abbey of the Jeunesse in their ministry of prayer and hospitality. If you enter the discount code MARY23, so M-A-R-Y-23, at checkout, you'll save 10% on your entire order at monksbread.com. Support a great cause while enjoying world-famous Monk's Bread. Order today at monksbread.com. That's monksbread.com. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. One of the things that I enjoy in the Catholic devotional life is the stories of the saints. It's why I wrote the title book of this podcast, How They Love Mary, to look at the devotion to Mary by the different saints that have inspired my own life, and how they thought about her, and how they asked her intercession. And so another topic that really has fascinated me and what has always been kind of in the back of my mind as a book maybe one day I'd like to write was about saints devoted to saints. Well, there's a book now touching on that topic just a little bit. It's called Unbreakable Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. But when I've looked at the lives of the saints, I've always been moved by the devotional lives of the saints. So again, to the Eucharist, to the Blessed Virgin, but then add in that of the saints. So maybe some of the saints who are devoted to St. Joseph, for example, like St. Andre Bassett. Or maybe, uh, here's one, maybe not all that well-known, St. Gemma Galagni. I think that's how you say her name, but St. Gemma, she received apparitions of St. Gabriel of the Seven Sorrows, and she had a devotion to St. Gabriel of the Seven Sorrows. And to look at how they express the devotion of the saints has been something that, again, has just fascinated me. And I'm very excited then when I saw this book that I wanted to have this conversation, especially as we're coming up to the Feast of All Saints Day, the day in which we celebrate all those in the kingdom of heaven and how the saints then can inspire us, the church here below, as we are in the process of becoming saints, please God, ourselves. So uh, today, Kimberly Begg is joining me uh, on How They Love Mary. She is a Catholic wife and mother of five children who is trying to cooperate with God's grace to guide her family to heaven. She's an attorney with more than 20 years of experience strengthening Catholic and conservative causes. She helped found Young America's Foundation, Standing Up for Faith and Freedom Seminar, a program for students at Catholic schools while serving as the Foundation's Vice President and General Counsel. 
She's also on the board of overseers for the Dominican House of Studies, and she has a lot of other organizations to which she's involved. She's also the director of programs and general counsel of the Ortner Family Foundation and editor of the Catholic School Playbook, an online resource for the renewal of Catholic education. Her study guide for Unbreakable, the book we're talking about today, is available at her website. So thank you, Kimberly, for taking time out of your life as a wife and as a mother uh, to be with me today. Thank you, Father, for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. And so this book, Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage, what was your initial inspiration to say, this is the book I want to write? Because, you know, as an author myself, I have eight, ten titles, you know, it always starts with kind of the the germ of an idea, and then it kind of blossoms, and then you you kind of get the outline of the book and everything. But it all begins with that simple little idea, and then what happens afterwards. So how did this book come to you? Yeah, great question. While I've always enjoyed writing, I didn't set out to write a book. I was preparing for a presentation that I gave to a group of high school and Catholic students at uh, Catholic schools um, for Young America's Foundation. And the topic of my remarks was the courage of Blessed Yerji Papiushko. And if you're not familiar with Father Yerji, he was the courageous chaplain of the Solidarity Movement in communist Poland after World War II. And when I just looked at just how much courage he had throughout his life, from the time he was a little boy, as a teenager, as a young priest, as a young adult, and then through his martyrdom, his entire life started to make sense to me when I realized that his favorite saint his entire life, a saint that he learned about when he was just a little boy going to his grandmother's house, reading Knights of the Immaculata, which was the newspaper of Father Maximilian Kolbe, St. Maximilian Kolbe, um, was St. Maximilian Kolbe. So he absolutely loved St. Maximilian Kolbe. Um, he was a saint that he prayed to his entire life. He continued to read stories about him um, and have this very strong devotion to him throughout his life. And really his whole life to me just started to make sense when I started seeing some of the parallels in St. Maximilian Kolbe's life and his life. Um, and that was the initial idea for the book. I, I reached out to another a friend of mine who was also presenting at that program, Paul Kengor. And Dr. Kengor has written many wonderful books. He's been a mentor of mine for a number of years. Um, and I asked him to watch my presentation and um, asked to chat about it afterwards. And I said, do you think this would make a good book? And he said, yes, and, and I think we should bring it to TAN. Um, so that was really the story of, of how it happened. Then from there, I had this wonderful adventure of discovering other saints and the saints who inspired and interceded for them. Yeah, Paul Kinger, he has a good book about Fatima, and it was like the Pope and President of Fatima or something like that, uh, yes. about John Paul and President Reagan and the fall of communism and uh, the role of Our Lady of Fatima. And, and he has another book out there that I know that maybe I've listened to parts of. I don't think I ever completed it, but uh, I, yes, very familiar with his work and uh, have been very impressed by his historical research and writing for sure. 
Yeah, in fact, um, his book, A Pope and a President, I've often said, is my favorite work of nonfiction. I just found it fascinating how he was able to just find um, how important the friendship between Pope John Paul II and President Ronald Reagan was. I think it's a really important part of the story of both men that most biographers have missed. Um, and then when you weave in also on top of that, the importance of the story of Fatima in, in Ronald Reagan's presidency um, and in his work freeing, um, just spreading freedom throughout the world. Um, it's just a really fascinating story. And I think one that only a strong Catholic and a historian like Dr. Paul Kengor would have been capable of writing. So we're talking about different saints that have inspired other saints and you mentioned this uh, uh, Polish priest who uh, is a saint, or is a blessed, rather. Uh, and for those, you know, when you said his name, I'm like, I don't know who that is. But then looking at the table of contents, uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember who that is. Blessed Jersey. Like, like, like you, you'd look at it and you'd be like, oh, it's Jersey or something like that. J-E-R-Z-Y. So uh, I think there might even be a movie out there about him. Uh, I went to school with some Polish seminarians, and uh, they, they had a great love and admiration for this bishop that you referenced. Yes, um, you know, yes, so that there are there are a few movies about few of the, the saints in that chapter. So there are a few wonderful documentaries on Father Yerji's life. He was just this, you know, wonderful patriot in Poland, you know, so he had the Soviet Union, um, which was trying to destroy uh, Polish culture, trying to take away Catholicism in Poland. And he was able to keep his eyes completely focused on Christ, you know, not worry about all of the threats out there in the world, um, and really fulfill what he considered to be his duty to Christ to continue to spread the gospel to the Polish people who were being denied God in their own country. Uh, there's also, there's a wonderful movie about one of the saints who inspired him. Um, he was a contemporary of a, a little bit older than him, but he was the uh, rector of the seminary that uh, Father Yerzy went to in Warsaw. His name is Blessed Stefan Wyszynski. There's a wonderful movie that was released pretty recently, maybe about a year ago, um, that I had the privilege of seeing in the theater. Um, but he was a very important figure to, fa to Father Yerzy, and Yerzy actually discovered um, him when he was a teenager. He was the primate of Poland, but he went to this wonderful Catholic secondary boarding school. And at the time, Catholic education was pretty much abolished um, in communist Poland. But there was a secondary school that was run by a very faithful Catholic priest who was intentional about only hiring faithful teachers who were trained to teach in the Polish and Catholic tradition. And so it was at this school that he discovered the sermons of the primate of Poland, Cardinal Wyszynski. And he read through these sermons and they meant so much to him. And they actually called him the philosopher at school because he just loved to just, just, just talk about the faith and, you know, philosophical matters about our, our meaning and, and purpose in life. And he was so inspired by Cardinal Wyszynski that when he went to join a, a seminary, um, because he always knew that he wanted to be a priest, everybody expected him to go to the local seminary. But he traveled much further away to Warsaw because he wanted to train and learn under Cardinal Wyszynski. 
You mentioned the sermons of uh, different priests and, uh, again, how they can be moments of inspiration as well. And I know for myself, I've studied the writings of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, for example, and his sermons, especially on the Blessed Virgin. But then uh, other homilists I've read, like St. Francis de Sales. There's just something very profound about reading the writings of the saints and allowing them to enter into your life, your mind, your heart, your soul, and uh, responding then to preaching that was made, you know, in this case for me, you know, Bernard lived in the 1100s, so thousands or hundreds of years ago, uh, in, in the case of maybe some of these others, you know, maybe decades previous or whatever. But at the same time, there's, there's just a, a profoundness uh, of encountering the words of holy men and women from long ago. And, and that's the gift that the saints have given us. So when we talk about Therese of Lisieux, for example, and how she wrote the story of a soul and how that's a timeless classic. And uh, it's just uh, so interesting to see the impact that the saints can have decades, centuries later. Well, and, and that was all a part of the, the beautiful plan for the church. I mean, these stories of the saints and their writings, these are the birthright of all Catholics. But, you know, th there has been a time where a, a lot of these stories and a lot of these writings have not been passed on. I, I was very poorly catechized. Um, I was born in the 1970s in New Jersey, and, you know, we, we never talked about the saints in school. Now, I did not go to a Catholic school. Um, I just went to your kind of run-of-the-mill uh, government school. Um, but I did go to CCD, and I, I did go to Mass on Sundays. I was wholly familiar with the stories of every single saint in my book. Um, I'd never heard of St. Therese of Lisieux, for example. Um, I was, however, very familiar, as every other living person was, with Mother Teresa. Oh, sure. You know, she, she is a saint that, you know, during her life, she was probably the most beloved human being on the face of the earth. And the fact that she was this orthodox, you know, very pro-life, very outspoken Catholic nun, I just think really speaks volumes to the, the, the truth that is written on people's hearts when they see goodness. And we are very attracted to goodness. Um, and St. Mother Teresa had this just, you know, really wonderful realization that, you know, she was this very, very popular person. She, you know, she was a celebrity, essentially. Um, and the fact that she used that celebrity status to teach to speak truth to people, including the most powerful people in the world, whom she knew would not be open to hearing that truth, um, I just think is a really beautiful testament and a really beautiful example to what we're all called to do. We're all called to, to speak out for truth in the world. As you've grown up then, so you talked about growing up in the 70s and now here we are, uh, uh, your faith life, of course, has matured, it's developed, you've written a Catholic book, you've been inspired by the saints. Who are some of the saints that personally in your own life maybe have inspired you, maybe you have a devotion to? Uh, who are they? St. Therese of Lisieux has been really important to me. Um, I just mentioned that I'd, I'd never heard of her before. In fact, you know, being a parent, um, I very much wanted my children to, you know, grow up differently than I did, right? I, I wanted them to grow up with the stories of the saints and appreciation. So beginning when they were little, I, I started buying a lot of just beautiful um, books for our, our home library so that my children could learn about the saints through these books. And I, I noticed that there were a lot of books about St. Therese. 
Um, and I didn't know who the saint was, uh, but I bought a number of these books. And I made this um, wonderful discovery that um, St. Therese uh, was a very stubborn child. And I, I had a, a certain daughter um, I thought would really, really relate to her. So I, I sort of gave her St. Therese um, when she was a child. And I have to say, it just it, it stuck. And, and she developed this very, very strong devotion to St. Therese at a very young age. Um, she got a little bit older. She read Story of a Soul for the first time. I think she's probably read Story of a Soul cover to cover about four times now. Um, but I myself hadn't actually read Story of a Soul. And it was in doing the research for the book. I'd read, you know, passages here and there. Um, but in doing the research for the book, you know, I, I did read it cover to cover. And, and I realized just what a beautiful influence um, this saint had had in my daughter's life. And when I just saw that spiritual maturity that I have seen in her over the years. Um, and I have to attribute that to St. Therese's influence and inspiration. But I find myself so frequently um, going to either moments in St. Therese's life or her actual words. You know, her beautiful quote about uh, the world being thy ship and not thy home. You know, it, it is such a, a pithy way to communicate what we all know, which is our home is in heaven. You know, our destiny is to be with God in heaven. And, you know, here um, a, a lot happens on this earth. There are a lot of trials and tribulations and, you know, uh, lots of um uh, there's there's a lot that requires our our attention temporally, uh, but it's really important that we understand that we have a duty to cooperate with God's grace in order to accomplish His will here on earth and to unite our will with with His own. And just time and time again, Saint Saint Therese reminded us of that. She and also um, Mother Teresa, whom I just mentioned, had made a vow to Christ to deny Him nothing. And um, all you have to do is take a look at the way they live their life and you realize um, that that changed their heart and their soul, um, making this vow to make sure that Christ was the center of their lives. Your book is Unbreakable Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. And now you you could have, I'm going to guess, write this book about any topic. You could have said saints who inspired saints to holiness or I, I don't know uh, what other aspect you could have focused on, but you specifically chose moral courage, which, you know, there's specificity there. Why was moral courage? You know, I guess maybe some of it could have been saints who inspired saints to faith or hope or love. You know, you could have done some of the virtues or whatever, but moral courage and courage is one of the cardinal virtues. But why this topic? Because we live in a time of great confusion where a lot of Catholics don't know who they are and why they were made. And as a result, I'm seeing a lot of people trying to find a way around the cross, not just for themselves, but for their children. And I think that's really dangerous. This idea that our path to heaven can ever be free of suffering and sacrifice has no grounding in sacred scripture or in the church's rich traditions. And the stories of the saints are one of the richest traditions that the church gives us. Um, you know, one of the reasons that we admire the saints is, is because we can see how important uh, is just the way that, that their faith life um, incorporated every single aspect of what they did and what they think, right? Um, and we know that we admire them because of the courage that they have. And yet we are raising generations of kids 
who are trying to avoid, you know, almost every bit of suffering and sacrifice. And they have, have, have fallen for this lie that Christianity can be lived in private. Um, that, you know, that Christ never said to go out and, and spread the gospel, that Christ never told us to be courageous in the world, um, and that our actions don't matter. But as, as Catholics, we know that, um, yes, we are, we are called to worship, um, and we are called to have this personal relationship with Christ. It's a great gift, but we are also called to live in the world in a way that spreads God's truth and his goodness. Um, and in a way that really embraces the duties to our families and to our community members that are out there. You know, we are called to spread the good news. So as you identify the saints who inspired saints to moral courage, there's a great pool of saints. In fact, we could just talk about John Paul II and how he canonized like the largest number of Catholic saints in history or something like that. So you have this large pool to draw from. How do you just whittle it down to four, is it, primary saints? And then the inspiration for them, uh, which are a handful for each one. Well, I I knew I was starting with um, Blessed Yerji Papishko. And I knew that St. Joan of Arc needed to be in the book um, because of her amazing story with the saints who inspired her um, and her just amazing, courageous life that she lived. But this might be bold to say, but I believe the other two saints very much chose me. I feel like St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, has been following me around for years um, it's just one of those, those, those things where, um, I just, I kept seeing a book, um, by her. I ended up doing a, a novena to her a few years ago. It was just one of those really profound spiritual experiences where I was asking for discernment on, um, on, on what I believed was a very important uh, question that I had about sort of a, a next step in my family's life. Um, and a few days into the novena, I just had this realization that I was asking entirely the wrong question. And through the years, I just realized what a powerful intercessor, what a powerful little lady uh, Mother Teresa was, um, and that she is there to intercede for all of us who ask for her help. So I felt a real calling to tell her story, and especially how courageously she stood up for the unborn among crowds of people who had been just, you know, really taken in by the ideas of, of, of feminism and this right to abortion and this real pitting of women against their children. Um, but she stood up so courageously. So I very much uh, believe that Mother Teresa chose me. Um, and then St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio, you know, this is a saint who has meant a lot to my children and especially my son's. And again, I never really made the decision to write the chapter about him. I just started reading the books that I had, and I just started the writing. I I never made a a list of, well, these are the saints, and these are the orders I'm going to write in. Um, I started on St. Jose's chapter as soon as I finished Blessed Gerji Papiushko's chapter. Now, when you talk about uh, St. Joan of Arc, there is a St. Margaret of Antioch. I'm not familiar with her. Who is she? Well, St. Margaret of Antioch and St. Catherine of Alexandria, they were two teenage martyrs uh, who were killed in the early 4th century as victims of the Diocletian persecutions. And what is so fascinating about these teenage martyrs is that, so with St. John's story, 
We all know that St. Michael the Archangel visited her and inspired her and helped her on her journey. And I'd heard over the years that there were other saints and female saints, but I didn't know anything about them. The parallels between their lives and Joan's life are just fascinating. So St. Margaret of Antioch was a teenager when she was kicked out of her home and had to start her journey into life on her own without the protection of parents, without the protection of anybody. Her father was actually a pagan priest. And when he found out that she'd become a Christian, he he kicked her out. So she had to uh, learn how to be on her own as a teenager. Um, and of course, Joan was only 16 years old when she made that first step on her journey never to return home uh, until she was burned at the stake at 19 years old. Now, St. Catherine of Alexandria is also really interesting. She also was a teenager, a teenage martyr, um, just like Joan would be, even though Joan didn't know it um, at the time. But she was asked to uh, debate 50 philosophers and theologians. And she did such a masterful job explaining the truth of the faith that she ended up converting all 50 of the much older, much more experienced men that she had to debate and everybody else who was watching. Now, the story probably has been um, embellished a bit over time, um, but the fact that she was this, you know, courageous defender of the faith who was able to articulate the faith became very important in Joan's life because at the end of the life of her life, Bishop Koshan, who had completely, you know, betrayed Joan, betrayed the church, betrayed his country, uh, was the chief interrogator and the organizer of her her trial her sham trial um it was you know a hundred percent uh designed to convict joan of heresy so that she she would be burned um at the stake and you know he and all of the other interrogators were asking joan these trick questions you know over the course of about a year um and put her in these just really really difficult physical um uh um, environment where she had to answer questions nonstop for hours all day long. And they would ask her questions meant to trick her so that she would say something wrong and then they could convict her of heresy. And she never did, um, despite the bad faith of her questioners. All of her answers were completely orthodox um, and, uh, you know, portrayed uh, her understanding of the faith that was so much uh, richer and um, so much above what a young girl who was illiterate um, and uh, who had not received any of the schooling that um, her questioners had received. The stories of the saints truly are meant to inspire, which is the... uh kind of in the the subtitle of your book, Saints Who Inspired Saints. And so as we read about these saints inspiring saints, we are being inspired ourselves. Now, uh, who did you intend your book Unbreakable for? So uh, who's your intended audience or interested reader? Well, early on, a friend of mine asked me, who's the audience for the book? And I sort of jokingly said, parents because it's the only audience that I'm capable of writing for right now. And there's some truth to that because as a parent, you're so focused on your kids' sanctity and keeping them on the right path, knowing that God has given all of us the immense responsibility 
to guide our kids on their path to heaven. So, you know, I, I said that sort of jokingly, but there, but there does, I think, really um, just speak to a, just a real truth about just the, the grave responsibility as parents and how we really should be focused like a laser beam. So I, I wrote the book for parents to inspire them to see their vocation um, as a parent the way that God sees their vocation as a parent so that they would know to pass these stories on to their kids. But I also wanted to be able to in, in inspire their children with these stories. So the book is written to be um, perfectly acceptable for read-alouds of all ages. So it's appropriate for kids of all ages as a read-aloud. And then it's also appropriate for independent reading for kids ages 12 and up. And I wrote it in a very fast-paced manner. So lots of small sections. I wrote it for kids who are very accustomed to reading, for example, the, the Harry Potter books. You know, these are very fast-paced books. Or my kids have loved the Rangers Apprentice series. So I, I wrote it in a way where it would be accept accessible to 12-year-old 12, 12 children, to teenagers and up, um, where the stories would move quickly enough, um, where they would be able to, I think, really be inspired by the stories without being bogged down by too many details. Um, and also that it would be an interesting enough book that kids would, you know, want to take it off the shelf and start reading, you know, a little section here, or maybe put it back um, and keep revisiting it um, when they hear about St. Therese of Lisieux or when they hear about St. Jose, they'll be able to easily take it down and remind themselves of, you know, some of the more interesting details of their lives. So Unbreakable is your first book of this topic, I'm guessing. Uh, saints who inspire saints to moral courage. Could there be future installments of the book, either uh, adding to this list of moral courage or maybe branching out to one of the other topics? Yes, I think so. The year that I spent uh, writing this book, um, it took me almost an entire year. Um, I've heard from a lot of authors that they write books in nine months, but these saints were with me for a full 12 months. I actually finished on the feast of um, St. Teresa of Calcutta, which is amazing because I didn't even realize it that morning until my daughter told me. But that year spent with these saints writing the book was one of the most satisfying and joyful of my life. And I've loved, loved, loved sharing these stories, but nothing compares to when those stories were just mine, when I was researching them, when I was really sitting with them, when I was walking, thinking about them and writing about them. So um, I want to do it again. And, and I'm not sure exactly what that book will look like. I did have a table of contents of, of 12 saints. So there are some that I could um, go back, uh, go back to and um, uh, write about some more. Um, but I, I have a feeling that it probably would focus again on moral courage, because I do think that this is something that is uh, very much needed in our society. What's one of the biggest takeaways you had as you spent a year with these saints writing the book? Uh, maybe what's one lesson that continues to inspire you to this very day? I was very interested in their the, the saints' upbringing, Right. Um, I didn't just want to tell the story about the end of their lives. There are several mar martyrs in the book. And I think that there's a temptation to just tell the stories of, you know, the, the, the really horrible details, you know, showing just the immense courage, right, um, when they were facing such uh, aggression and hostility and, and hatred in the world um, for their Christianity. 
but I wanted to show how they were formed as little human beings by their parents. You know, and what I found is that time and time again, the parents who were intentional about giving their children a devout Catholic education, one that prioritizes worship, praying the rosary as a family, um, teaching literature, having kids develop their moral imagination, their Catholic imagination by reading high quality classic literature that has been passed down through the ages that, you know, there is a formula to keeping your kids on the right path. And, you know, part of it is keeping the evil of the world out of our home life. And so many of the parents had to do that. If you look at St. Maximilian Colby, he, um, he was a child during the 123 partition of Poland, where Russia uh, was trying to wipe out Polish culture and Polish Catholicism. And his parents were very, very intentional um, about keeping out the evil and then making sure that they were nurturing a love for Polish literature and, and Polish history and Catholicism within their home. So I think the combination of keeping out evil um, and cultivating goodness, virtue, uh, love of Christ, um, holy practices, proper worship, very reverent worship, um, I, I think is something that all Catholic parents um, need to be doing. And it's something that is never going to go out of style. I think that this is the formula um, to how to live our faith and how to raise faithful Catholics. Your book, Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspire Saints to Moral Courage, is published by Tan Books. If people want to learn more about your writing and uh, your ministry, uh, do you have a website? Do you direct them to social media? Where can they find you online? I have a website at KimberlyBegg.com. I have some articles there, and uh, the book is available there. I have signed books on the site, but I also have a 17-page companion study guide and that is appropriate for homeschool and catholic school curricula and personal reflection book clubs and then the book is also available at tan books and amazon well that's wonderful i know it's a book that is really great especially thinking about all saints day just learning about different saints uh, is always appealing to me. Uh, I love some of the obscure saints, introducing people to unknown saints. And, and as you mentioned, uh, St. Margaret of Antioch, for example. Or there's another one under Jose Sanchez del Rio, St. Tarsicius. I just learned about him uh, a year ago when I was in Mexico City. So you're going to learn about some popular saints like Therese of Lisieux, but then also some other unknown saints as well. So I encourage everybody to pick up your copy of Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage by our guest today, Kimberly Begg. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Father. Today's episode of How They Love Mary is brought to you by Monk's Bread. It's that time of year again. The air gets a little crisper, leaves change color, and the aromas of pumpkin and cinnamon treats fill the air. It's the perfect time to try a loaf of the world-famous Monk's Bread. Their raisin cinnamon, maple cinnamon, or seasonal pumpkin spice bread are delicious treats for the whole family. Made fresh in their western New York bakery by Catholic monks, Monk's Bread comes in eight delicious varieties and ships right to your front door. And they do more than just bread. Enjoy their famous biscotti, fruitcake, jams, and more. Every sale of delicious monastery-prepared products helps to support the monks of the Abbey of the Jeunesse in their ministry of prayer and hospitality. 
If you enter the discount code Mary23, so M-A-R-Y 23 at checkout, you'll save 10% on your entire order at monksbread.com. Support a great cause while enjoying world-famous Monk's Bread. Order today at monksbread.com. That's monksbread.com.